Hey, After Buzzers, before we move on to your next topic, we just want to say thanks to our sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Plus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. The Jericho Network on Westwood One. Puck 12360. Featuring weekly news, insider commentary, and interviews with superstars, past and present from the world of pro wrestling. A new day is dawning for DX. And now, your hosts, Sean X Pop Wolfman. Hello, X-Pac12360 fans. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We're coming at you with another brand new episode. Today, we will be joined by WCW's Glacier, who will be telling us all about the American Dream Scholarship. That's awesome, but let me introduce you to the crew. Jimbo Frank is here. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Westwood One. Yeah, Denise Salcedo. I'm super excited to be back here today. Hey, Hey. everyone. Welcome back. And another face we haven't seen for a little while, Bill Hanstock. I'm more excited than Denise. Oh, it's like a contest. I'll fight you on that. I love that. rivalry. I think the winner of that one will be Mark Donica in the booth. Hey, Mark. How can I win if I'm not even... All right, fine. I'll take the W. I'll take the W. Thanks, Christy. (laughs) You're the most excited. And my name is Christy, but the man that you have all tuned in for today to hear his thoughts, his wisdom is Sean X-Pac Waltman. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Hey, no, it's hey. good to be back. I've, I've had a couple of weeks now to recharge my batteries. I was so burned out for mm-hmm. the last, I don't know, but the last month or, like, actually last couple of months. Um, and, man, I was just feeling like I was on autopilot sometimes. And, like, oh, start, I'm starting to feel pretty good. Mm-hmm. So we get to go back out on the road again this weekend and, you know, let me get burned out again. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Uh, looking forward to talking to Ray, a.k.a. Glacier, Ray Lloyd. Yeah. Um, any, like, okay, a lot of people, you know, they saw, you know, him on WCW, and, and, you know, you just can't tell from watching, you know, Glacier on WCW what an incredible guy Ray Lloyd is. Holy shit. Yeah. Other than, you know, present company, probably the best oh, probably the best dude in pro wrestling I've ever met. Shucks. Just such a just such a sweetheart of a guy, and I'm looking forward to to talking to him a little bit today. Yeah. And I was down there at uh at Ray's and uh and QT <laughs> QT Marshall's yeah. uh their school. Yeah. In in Atlanta, in the Atlanta area, and that's where Lula got lost. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, it was brutal. It, 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 oh, my God. It was a nightmare oh, my God. for like an hour. Like, it was awful. Yeah, I don't want to get all into it again, but it was. she was locked in a closet that was like you had to have a keypad. Somehow she got locked in there. Are you, are you going to get one of those tags for her where you can like look oh, at her on your I phone? I need to do it. I, I, ASAP, actually. Yeah. She'd be like, oh, my God. Dad's so, tracking me again. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Siri, yeah. find Lula. All right. So, yeah. Well, there's tons of interesting stuff going down, Sean. I don't know if you want to get into it or not, but I think a lot of us listen to Eric Bischoff's 83 Weeks podcast. Also on the Westwood One Network. Yes. It's a great podcast, by the way. Fantastic. Both of those guys are great. It's part of the Conrad Podcast Network. Yeah. Yeah. We're huge fans of Conrad's around here, Um, professionally and personally. 
Uh, so, yeah, no, I heard it. Yeah, we, yeah. we all did. And uh, I'm kind of wondering if you have any response. Well, I mean, I just, here's the thing. Yeah, I do. I love Eric. Uh, however, I don't, I think, it, um, how do I say this? You never, I've never seen you choose your words more carefully. I know. I just, <laughs> I have, I dispute some of the things Eric said. Let's just put it that way. And I, I do see where he's coming from. And here's the thing a lot of people want to go, oh, he's lying. This person's lying. That person's lying. And Eric says, even says this, you know, more than once. Like, you know, this was 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, um, we don't remember things, you know. As, as accurately, like sometimes, except for me, <laughs> I raise a sharp memory. And also back then, <laughs> and also back then, I assume that someone in Eric's position, there were a million things happening every single Monday. Yeah. So when he gets a little bit confused, as we'll hear in a minute, like on the timeline of the invasion of the taping of Nitro, yeah. he wasn't sure when he got to the building. He wasn't sure mm-hmm. where Nash was at any given time. And why would he? Because he's in charge of the whole thing. I, and I thank you for saying that, Bill, because, you know, I was going to say, you know, say that, not in those words, but, um, yeah, and, and, and just even, and we'll get into it, like, actually, just so happens, I got some audio clips of what he said. <laughs> hey, so why don't we just go to that? Hey, Mark. Hey, sir. Hey, um, how, how should we start that? Well, uh, I've got the, the, the top of the show with, with Conrad's introduction with Eric, but I do just want to advise our, our listeners, while we, aren't, we don't necessarily always have the, the cleanest program, uh, we usually gen- generally stay away from the F word. Eric does not. So there's a little <laughs> bit of just a programming note from my side that I wanted to include for our regular listeners. Yeah, so all the children out there, like, or the parents, like, cover your kids' ears. <laughs> yeah, I know there's tons of children. If, if you've been keeping it, keep, if you've been keeping the F word from from them, now's not a good time to listen. Right. But uh, here we go. Uh, I'm just going to play them, Sean. You stop me whenever you'd okay. like, please. Here we go. Dot com. Now, in your book, Eric, you wrote that you sort of inadvertently helped the WWF by firing Waltman, and you even wrote that it was probably one of the biggest favors you did for the company at the time. Not your company, theirs. And hindsight, how critical was that to this story they're trying to tell? You know, that's. I think that's one of the most under discussed um, elements of this whole period of time. Um, I, I fired Waltman and I, fi- and I, and I was justified in firing him. You know, there was no, I had no qualms about firing him. The, the situation had been that, you know, Sean Waltman, like a lot of other guys uh, was represented by Barry Bloom the common denominator in a lot of this fucked up chaos. <laughs> and we had reached an agreement. Handshake, letter of intent, if you will. Basic terms that outlined Sean's new deal. Of course, that deal took a couple weeks, perhaps a little longer. Stop. The- <laughs> a couple, he actually you know when he said the little longer part that was a little more accurate a little longer as in like a year and change Oof. keep going 
wheels of the legal process turn slowly, even back then. Real slow. Again, you know, Turner Legal was separate necessarily from from WCW, so I didn't have you know my my hands around anybody's throats. I couldn't you know drag them down the hall, kicking and screaming and telling them to get deals done quicker. But it took time. And, but we had a deal. We had a deal in principle. We had Correct. a letter of intent. Everybody knew what we were doing. Sean knew what he was going to make. Everything was cool. And then when Diana Myers, who was the representative from Turner Legal, who, who worked inside of our office, um, finally got around to getting the deal to Sean. Finally Barry, got around to getting the deal to me. They bought and wanted Stop. more money. Okay. Well, that's the end of the first clip anyway. All right. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Uh, okay. Here's the thing. Okay. We, a letter of intent, actually it was a deal memo, yeah. which was binding. Like all of the main like terms of, of the agreement, you know, the days, the, the money, all of that. Like all the real like important shit was all uh, in the deal memo and signed. Mm which was a binding agreement, even if we never signed the long-form contract. Sure. Okay? Uh, also, I wouldn't have been getting paid the whole time. It's just, I mean, I wouldn't, getting paid, I wouldn't have been getting paid by WCW. Uh, so you weren't under contract? Yes, I was under. That's a binding contract. Okay. That, that de- a signed deal memo is binding. Got it. Um, so uh, it, it was well over a year before. Um, I'm all, I could go back and, you know, Give exact dates mm-hmm. and all that, and and actually the like because all the contract and all that and you know all that stuff is still at my my attorney's, mm. my old attorney. Yeah, um, I just I haven't even thought about any of that stuff in f- forever. Right. Uh, but yeah, um, what happened was as I'd been there a while, I started. I was performing at a high level. Uh, higher, like okay, I was getting paid two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, and I was being used in a spot where guys typically were getting paid double that. Right. So I wanted to raise. Not wrong with asking for it. You can be told no. Sure. So that's all that was. Like it wasn't like okay because later on, and you'll hear like uh, Eric say I reneged. Never, not once. You can't renege. Like the deal's already done. There's no way I could renege. You know, I just wanted a raise. I thought I deserved a raise. He had given raises to Scott and Kevin uh, during that time. So that's why I felt it was okay to uh, to do that. So keep going. And I was so pissed off at Barry that I fired Sean. I couldn't fire Barry, but I fired Sean. And you said you could justify it. And do you think it was the right thing to do? to fire him when he's sidelined with a neck injury that he suffered near ring while I was paying him. Conrad. I had been paying him while he had been sidelined with an injury. I didn't stop paying him. I stopped. I, I fired him when he reneged on the deal that we had stop. an agreement. <laughs> so, um, the whole time I was out, mm-hmm. unlike like when, when you worked for WWE, you might get some checks here and there for stuff that they already owed you. But like, okay, when you're out hurting WWE back then, Mm -hmm. you're pretty screwed. Mm -hmm. Difference was, okay, when I got hurt for WCW, it was like 100% uh, disability pay. It was kind of like that. I was getting paid my money every week. That's 
So Eric's absolutely right about that. Yes, and I'm very grateful for uh, for that. And and yes, absolutely 100% agree with Eric on that part. And they're, they're talking about him being mad at Barry. They're talking about yes. Barry Bloom. Yes. So you want to give a little bit of insight on, on that? As well, Barry was my, you know, was my agent. I, I was Barry's first wrestling client. Mm. Um, actually, and, and the, 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 the official story is like, okay, Dallas Page called those guys. No, I went and had a meeting with Barry Bloom. And during, because I, I was out here already, and so I went to meet with Barry about Hollywood you movie, movie stuff. stuff right? yeah, yeah, so we've talked about this a, a little bit. Maybe yeah. not on the show, but it's something I've talked about. Uh, while I was in that meeting with Barry, um, you know, he started telling me about this stuff with WCW and, you know, throwing a lot of money around. And, you know, I called Scott Hall from Barry's office. That's how the whole thing started. Mm-hmm. That's how it all started. But I was his first client. And I just couldn't jump right away because I didn't know when my contract rolled over. And I didn't give my 90-day notice in time. Mm-hmm. Also, I very well may have been the first the first of, of the three of us. So when Bischoff says, he says earlier in the podcast that he hooked the guys up with Barry Bloom, that was not the case for you. No, I was the one that brought, like, Barry, yeah, no, no, no. Absolutely. So when you sign this deal memo, are you already out with your neck injury? No, I signed the deal memo before I came to work. Oh wow! That, yeah, so that was your that was your first deal. That was with... the con- that was the contract we were working yeah. under. I, I, you know, it was it was binding. So it's not like you sign this deal memo while you were hurt, and then you yeah. decide when I come back, I want more yeah. money. Like he's saying, no, they're trying to yeah, hold me. Yeah, at up. no time was there ever any reneging going on. Like if if that if I mean he could. You know, interpret me asking for a raise as reneging, but that's not the case. That's just asking for a raise. You just say no. So that's probably where there was like this large disconnect where us, it's like every employee at some point is going to ask for some sort of raise, you know? And do you think that that, how did you think that, why do you think he came to this sort of disconnect where he saw you more as like hustling him for more money sort of deal? I don't think he did. You don't think there's any chance that Barry presented it differently to Bischoff than he did to you? There, uh, yes, yes, there is, but I, I don't think that's the case. Okay. So, so you're out with an injury, and you. I mean, there's always sorry, Christy, but I mean that's always if you're not there, mm-hmm. you know, um, you can you can only go by people's words, right? How they, what their dealings are, but you know, I tend to believe my you know my agent. So, so Bischoff's point of view in this in this instance is. He thinks that you guys have agreed to a new contract on principle already. No, the original contract. The original contract. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. But Barry Barry comes to him. And we says, just never. It was. It was. They never got. And I, I think I already said this. And 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 Eric mentions it right. took a couple of weeks, maybe a little more. Right. It was a over a year before we got the actual hard contract. Right. So at that point, Barry went to Eric Bischoff and put forward yeah. that you wanted a raise. I, I'm, ass, I'm assuming, but I, I thought that we were asking for it for a while. Okay, I could be wrong about that. But that's the point at which Eric Bischoff gets pissed yeah. off at Barry, and because of him getting pissed off at Barry, fires you, in, according to Bischoff. Yeah, but it was, I guess, yeah. Uh, that's, that's what he's putting forward. Yeah, okay, let's keep going. So, yeah, I didn't stop paying him because he was hurt. I stopped paying him because he reneged on the deal, the, the letter of intent Stop. and the handshake that we. Okay. 
He's like a pageant queen who knows one big word. Renee, Renee, Renee. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry, Eric. <laughs> if if I'm going to go by what the letter of termination said, it said I was fired for non-performance, for not being able to, you know, perform on the, you know, what I, you know, in the in the in the agreement. But that didn't come out right. But right. Well, I, did, I just didn't say it very eloquently is what I meant It, it said that you were fired for failing to live up to That's the right. terms of your contract. Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah, and it's kind of shitty, but maybe they technically had a leg to stand on. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm not because sure, we're not litigating that right now. Sure, of course. But that's what, and I mean, I can go, I can produce the... Uh, Documents. Yeah, I just don't think it's worth that. Right. You know, Save I it think, for your book. Yeah. Or I know, I just think, <laughs> you know... Have an appendix with all the receipts. And yeah. That. You know, I'm not taking this that seriously, but I did. I just do want to. You know, I do sure. take exception with a few things here. Uh, keep going. In the agreement that we had, that's why I fired him. Waltman would claim at the time that this was essentially a power play aimed at getting back at his buddies Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, whose backstage influence maybe you wanted to sort of hinder a little bit. Yeah, the, yeah, at the time, of course, that's what he said. I think if you talk to Sean today, he would have a different perspective on that. Is it is but, it was it fair of you to come out and say Waltman was a competent performer when sober, but sober periods were quote few and far between, and quote in many ways Sean was lucky to even have a job end quote. That was a little br- that was a little brutal. Yeah, you think it's just. You know, we're sitting there saying, oh, it was fine to fire him. And then I fucking buried him. Well, when did I when did I do that, though? Did I do that right away or did I do that after he showed up on TV and cut a promo on me? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Listen to you defending Stop. this. The, when Eric said that, you know, few and far, he was a competent performer, all that. That's He said that in his book. I'm almost positive that was something he said in his book, which right. came out, you know, quite a while like after all this happened. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it was a shitty thing to say in his book. and I, But I don't take that personal. And, and it was said after, you know, I came out and we came at him pretty hard. Mm-hmm. So absolutely don't have a problem with that, except for the fact that, uh, when I worked for WCW, I was one of the uh, cleanest guys working for them. I didn't even touch alcohol. Mm. I didn't touch any pills. All I did was smoke pot. Mm. That's it. And trust me, that was the least of the shit that was going on around there. So when anyway. Bischoff says that, you know, back then you were saying that this was done because it was a power play, you know, to get back at to get yeah. back at Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, and he says that you wouldn't agree with that now, do you, would you change what you originally thought that it was a power play? Uh, I, I, okay, I, here's the thing. I do understand where Eric's coming from, okay? It's just that, and, and, and I can't, I find it hard to believe that it had nothing to do with him being mad at Scott and Kevin and trying to put them in their place. Because there were some things that were said, uh, that pissed Eric off. I'm not going to go into what what was said. It's, sure. it's neither here nor there. But it was enough that it would piss me off if I was Eric. So uh, to come to the conclusion that he fired me for 
you know, for that reason, it isn't like a big stretch. Sure. You know what I mean? The thing is, is, okay, when Eric was on this show, you know, early on. It was a while and, ago, yeah, yeah. And you were here, yeah, when you were first run here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a long time ago. Uh, um, you know, we, we talked about that, and he swore, like, that wasn't the reason. And, you know, like, all these years later, all these years later, like, I have to take him at his word. Like, because, I mean, I don't understand why, why he would lie about that now. Uh, and, uh, you know, it it's you just got to do it, man. It's kind of like when it's not kind of like, okay, it's kind of like when I look at somebody and they're in incredible shape and they're jacked, but they swear to God to me they've never touched steroids. <laughs> they swear to God, okay, I'm going to have to believe you. Right. Well, I mean, but, but also, like from from Eric's, from Eric's perspective at the time, like the position that he's in, he, his uh, his like possibilities of doing a power player like slim to none or few and far between. Because it's like, what are you going to do? You're going to fire the guys who have enormous downside guarantees and they let them go work somewhere Actually, else. Actually, they couldn't because uh, those guys had a lot more leverage than I did coming in. That's what I'm saying. Because I came in. On the on the back end, uh, I, I just got out of rehab, mm-hmm. you know. So he was, felt like he's probably doing me a favor, mm-hmm. and I can understand that, you know. Uh, so my contract wasn't as ironclad as Scott and Cavs was. Mm-hmm. He couldn't fire them, right? Like they're untouchable. Yeah. But like the worst he can do to pull a power play is like, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'll let your one of your buddies have a bigger payday somewhere else. Like that's the worst that he can. Yeah. Do. Yeah, but he didn't think in his mind that I would ever want to go back to WWF. Hmm. Not in a million years. Interesting. Well, I mean, you're in a we're all in that WCW bubble and everything's great and why would anybody want to not want to be here? Mm-hmm. You know? All your friends are they're there. Paying me more over yeah. There. <laughs> yeah. Um so this yeah. was the time yeah. when you guys had a lighter travel schedule with WCW. Also, yeah, right. right? Except me. Because <laughs> when I wasn't working, I had to be on the road with Scott to look uh, after Scott because he wasn't doing good at, at one point. Mm-hmm. You know? So, shit, I was never I was hardly ever home. You know, I mean, another reason why I wanted to race. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, and the thing is, is like, I... If Eric said, yeah, I fired him because of that, I would have been like, okay, I understand that. So I wouldn't have had a problem if that's, like, now looking back on it, I wouldn't have had a problem with that I, at all. Because shit, man, like, it, it was, you know, it was a rough, it was, business was a, a rough place to uh, to exist in back then. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like, it was dirty playing going on, and we were used to it. We played dirty, you know, or rough. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't care, right? We did, and and so, you know, I could see how, you know, Eric thought, you know, you guys are way too out of control. I can understand that. So, anyways, keep going. That was the end of that second clip, so now we're jumping a little bit to the next part. Here we go. It was a fucking brilliant move, whoever came up with it. It worked, and it worked primarily what a, not what because of the idea the of them driving in. The invasion. A, well, how come? Okay. Except, like, you know, comic book soldiers and all of that. Not because of any of that. It worked, in my opinion, because of Sean Waltman. Right. 
it worked because a, a big character in the NWO, and Sean was. He was a supporting cast member. He wasn't Nash. He wasn't Hall. He wasn't Hogan. But he, damn, he was important. And he was a part of that that chemistry and that that rebellion that NWO res, you know represented to the audience. And when I fired him, and he jumped over and and cut that promo, and then was a part of the invasion. That was a crack in the NWO armor and a crack in the WCW yeah. armor. I think Sean Waltman probably deserves more credit for the success of that invasion than Triple H, everybody else that was in that little Jeep that they call a tank, and whoever's idea it was. Hey, because okay, if Sean stop. Waltman... Can we just... And that's the end of that clip, too. For that, please. What, what are you doing? That he's praising he you and actually work. giving you the credit you deserve. Yeah, but that <laughs> doesn't surprise Eric. He's been doing that for a while. Yeah. Yeah, and and I appreciate that. I actually didn't even like want that clip being played because I I just wanted to touch on the things that you know that he said that I took exception with. I don't take exception to that at all. <laughs> <laughs> so we can move on to the next one. Then? Yeah, yeah. Just like like let's time let's like go over the stuff where he's you know trashing you. Well, he never really trashed me. It's just differences of opinion here. Uh, then Jimbo, should I jump to a particular? I don't one? have opinion, I but. All right, cool. Then moving on. We just don't see eye to eye on a couple of things. As we mentioned earlier, he knew something was going to happen. The WWF might be doing something, but no one knew what. And and again, I guess we should mention Scott Armstrong's brother is Road Dog. We're sort of on record as saying they thought. Hello. Hi. Did you want me to keep going? Or yeah, but what does this have to do with me? This is the them knowing if and if they were going to. Like if they had people waiting at the doors for you guys, just in case you came in. That's what this clip is. Oh yeah, we don't that? need to go through any of that. Like, I mean, what else in this interview do you want to talk just about? Just what any, this, any stuff where like the end, yeah, the where end it, segment, the last one, Mark. Here we go. The the scope invasion before the whole Turner thing, you know, the CNN tower and the CNN center and all that before all of that, were you already brainstorming how you could respond or do you not come up with this whole, I'm going to challenge Vince McMahon bit until after they come to the Turner offices. No, it was after they came to the Turner offices because I used the fact that, you know, they, they, they had Sean Waltman, you know, showing up at and the, and the rest of DX, but they were showing up at the CNN center and, you know, Sean was trying to call me out and he wanted to confront me and all that kind of shit. And they showed up when when they knew we weren't around. Right. You know, that, if I would have been in the building, I would have come out. We could have had a conversation. And, and, if, and if we would have planned it, we could have had cameras there and we could have made it really work and had fun. But they didn't. They showed up. So I just I took that fact of them showing up when they knew we weren't going to be there, pretending that they wanted to confront us. And I turned that around. And that was kind of the premise of my my promo um, my shoot promo that I cut on Vince McMahon. All right. Stop. He's like. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't, like, this is all stuff we don't really need to get that into. Um, uh, but, yeah, we, we. Um, I'm not sure if we knew they were going to be there or not. Mm. So he might be right about that. I'm not sure. Mm. You know, uh, and as far as, and, and I, it's in one of the clips probably, uh, but, you know, he talks about us showing up to, you know, CNN Tower and, you know, there being an executive there and Conrad saying, why didn't he fire him? Well, you couldn't fire 
uh, the executive vice president of right. Turner Broadcasting, Dick Cheatham, right. who comes down at, when security's trying to stop us and goes, oh, that's DX. I love those guys. <laughs> Give them all access passes. And gave us the tour of the whole nine yards. So that was, that was, that was crazy when that happened. Why wasn't that footage ever used? We or, did. Oh, okay. Oh, right. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, all that footage was used. And, and also, we did show up to their um, offices, which like were really unassuming, like just like in an industrial park, uh, and and the cops showed up, and this, the great the greatest part of that was was we had already paid the local cops off and they were already there with us. <laughs> so when the other guys yeah. showed up, they're like, "What's going on here?" <laughs> I think the only other thing was, uh, uh, and it's not even something that you're directly involved in, but it was uh, Bischoff questioning Nash's uh, shifting story over the years about him wanting to. Uh, him trying to convince them to open the doors so that DX could come into the yeah, arena. but that's all neither here. Okay. I mean, that's just that's what I'm saying. I think that's the that's only just thing splitting that hairs. Or oh, you know, he's uh, I'm okay, and uh, you know, also at at some point, um, Eric talks about Barry Bloom and how you know he had him uh, help guys out because some guys couldn't afford lawyers, and he actually. Guys like me. You specifically. The, the, the fact is, I had a lawyer. He was like the... You couldn't get a better lawyer. His name is David Bradley Olson. He's the lawyer that... With Jesse Ventura, who'd Benson won a million dollars. Yeah. Uh, anyways, that was my lawyer. And so I, I was doing just fine on lawyers. <laughs> I could afford a lawyer just fine. Uh, yeah. And, and, and Eric was mad at Barry for um you know for uh, you know negotiating the deal with me and WWF and you know he was saying that Barry promised he wouldn't do that he, Barry couldn't make a promise like that because his fiduciary responsibility lies with me right not WCW right so he would be breaking his fiduciary responsibility to me by doing that Fiduciary, look it up. <laughs> so at the time when you got fired and you received the notice, what were your emotions during that time? Were you shocked, surprised? Did you see it coming? I was on the phone talking to somebody, and I got a, a knock on the door from FedEx. And, you know, I got it. was a, And I was just joking around, too. I got this. And I'd been sitting at home for a while, you know, going through therapy and actually taking care of my father-in-law who was dying of cancer, which I'm so grateful. I couldn't have picked a better time to have a broken neck, yeah. you know? But uh, so I got that FedEx, and I, before I opened it, I was on the phone. I'm like, that's ah, probably like, you know, I'm fired or something, just joking. I opened up the letter. Yeah, it's, you're, you know, it's notice termination, you know, non-performance, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, I, immediately I was... You know, you're mad because no one likes to be fired. But I was like, they're like, oh, wow. I've been sitting at home watching WTV, and it's really good. Mm -hmm. You get momentum ever since the, the Montreal Screwjob thing, huh. you know? Um, and so I'm like, oh, yeah. And had you and Barry been in contact with WWE at all at that point? Or No, what? not until after I got fired. Hmm. No way. Yeah. So, anyways. Do you I think, even get mad that it was just like a FedEx and not like a personal phone call? At the time, yeah. You kind of are like, oh, man, what a chicken shit way to fire someone. 
But really, like, honestly, how well is she supposed to do it? Fly me in, fly me into Atlanta and fire me then? I'd have really been pissed then. <laughs> and, and Bischoff recently on WWE Network said that he gets a lot of crap, especially for the Steve Austin fans. Yeah. But at the time, he says that it was it was Turner Company policy that he had to notify people by FedEx of their termination. Yeah. So, okay, at the time, you know, <laughs> when you're in the middle of all that and you're, you know, having a war, it's like, okay, yeah, what a chicken chick thing to do. But not really. Yeah. Not really, man. Not at all. That's just how you do it. Mm-hmm. So, any, come on, guys. So Anything how else? long did it take you to... Uh, I guess you can say reprimand your friendship with Eric Bischoff. Like, weren't you like, angry for a while, or how long did it kind of mend it back mm. into a friendship? <sighs> Only a few years ago. Because mm. oh, we just never saw each other. And by the time he was working in WCW or WWE, I was gone. Yeah. I was like, one, I was, you know, not doing too good. You know, you guys so, always missed after that. That's weird. Yeah, he went to WWE right when you were gone. Yeah, and then like he came to Impact after you were gone. No, like, no, went... he came to Impact okay. and okay, that's when. Ah. That's that's like the first uh, time we were around each other again for the most part, and uh, and we had a great. It was great. Uh, it was him and uh, you know Hogan that it was their idea to bring me back because I was living in Mexico still. Hmm. And, uh, you know, I was really grateful to come back, you know. Um, so, no, I was with Eric. I okay. forgot about that for right. a second. Did you talk about your firing at that time? No, no, no reason to. I'm always surprised by that, by how, like, like now, obviously, we're sitting in, and hashing this out. We yeah. talked about it before. But yeah, only because it came up in a podcast. Guys, yeah, so at the time, it just didn't, it wasn't important anymore by then, or? It's way too many, like, other things to work. Like, yeah, on, yeah not important at all. Not important at all. Well, because your firing ended up being amazing yes. for you and your yes. career and your stature in pro wrestling history. Yeah. And Bischoff's readily admitted that many times over yeah. that you were the turning point. So, yeah. so like, wh- uh, how can he possibly be angry nowadays, right? Yeah. So, but yeah, we we've. Uh, I just I really I really enjoy my time around Eric these days. He's like I really do, you know. Uh, it bums me out because I really like uh, I love Barry Bloom. He's a wonderful guy. He's done a lot. Like you know, Eric can be mad be, about certain things, but you can't deny like when Barry Bloom got involved with wrestling and it raised like the value of the you know, well you know it brought more money out. They had to pay more money, but like ev- like earnings went through the roof. Like the companies were making, everyone was making money. Right. You know. Um, and and I get it. I understand like being pissed off about that and 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 that. But uh, it bums me out because you know twenty some years later, everybody like still holding grudges. Mm-hmm. You know, it's disappointing. I guess maybe just because I don't really hold grudges anymore, like maybe I shouldn't be too judgmental about others that do. Because sometimes it's not easy. Not but, everyone's as well adjusted as you, Sean. Yeah, but the thing is, is as you know, what what Eric doesn't mention was that um, Barry was his agent as well. 
Yeah, that's very interesting. In in some things, mm-hmm. yeah. Did he stop being Eric's agent after this? I'm not sure. Okay, but that's a fact, actually. Is Barry Blue? And Eric isn't really like quick to mention that part. <laughs> so you think like had he mentioned this part, the people listening to his podcast would have been like, "Dude, so why'd you do this? Like, why did you fire this guy? Be- because you couldn't fire your agent. That's kind of it. Kind of, I guess you can say, can discredit him in a sort of way. I don't know. Anyways. Is Barry Bloom the kind of guy who would ever say, oh, well, now let me weigh in on this? Uh, maybe. I don't know. Like, is he going to tell his side of the story? Yeah. You know, Barry should write a book. (laughs) He really should. Yeah, actually. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how Barry really, like, feels about this. (laughs) I don't know. I thought it was funny that after you went back to WWE, WCW sues WWE saying X-Pac is just a knockoff of six when like the whole thing started with like Kevin Ash and Scott Hall being sued because like they were just knocks off of Razor Ramon and Diesel. And a, yeah, but they had a point. Mm-hmm. I, I I was you know using the name. I mean, he gave me the name Six S Y X X, and I started call. We started, you know, and people started calling me Six Pack. Started with Hulk. Hulk called me Six Pack because mm-hmm. not like Tupac, but more like a six pack of beer. <laughs> Oh, well, I was I, thinking abs. No, no, um, no. I definitely didn't have a six pack back then. A single wrestler had abs back then. No, <laughs> no. So uh, I, I see where Eric's coming from there, and that, it's just that a lot of that, um, a lot of that uh, lawsuit just. Well, at that point, it's kind of like a pissing contest. Well, like, yeah. okay, well, well, okay, well, okay, and back and forth. It and was as much bullshit as the WWF one against them before that. Let's just put it that way. So, all right. Who'd have thought you all would have a platform in 10, 20, 30 years to tell everybody the real details behind all yeah. of this? It's so it's I, I'm getting deposed. And oh. I, I'm, I, I got deposed. That's a little different from what we're doing here. No, no. I got deposed <laughs> when they sued. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, and I don't even know what this had to do with anything, but the uh, the Turner lawyer, and my lawyer David Olson's right there, and, and the Turner lawyer was like, when you say suck it, what actually do you mean by that? Suck what? And I'm like, I can't speak for anyone else, but when I say it, I'm referring to my penis. <laughs> and he was just like, oh, That's Yeah. And, and then they were like, well, uh, when you were... You know, uh, it, uh, WWE uh, television, how come you said Kevin Nash and Scott Hall would be right here with you if you weren't being held hostage by WCW? And I, I said this before. I was talking to, and I said, that's because the night before I was on the phone with Kevin Nash and he told me it would be a good idea if I said that. And they're like, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Forget it. <laughs> How to be deposed. So did you find that at times they would try and play you guys against each other and you're all like, no, we're buddies. No, like It's us against no, you. No. No? Okay. No, never. No There's one no ever any, tried? No way. No. No, it, never, it wouldn't work. Hmm. Oh, no, actually, there were. And even in WWE, mm-hmm. you know, when we were all there together at one time, you know, but it just didn't work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was the thing, is we... That was like the oath. Like, no, we no matter what, we don't let anyone get in between us, and that's why we were so strong. So well, actually, one of the things you mentioned in the past, one of the videos that we did for social media, was that Hall and Nash were upset after the firing. Obviously, yeah. you're their friend, and 
I guess, what was their thought? Like, did they, why did they think you specifically were fired? Uh, they, good question. Uh, because of some things that were said, uh, like, uh, you know, they came, I, I think Kev came and, uh, or Kev said something that really pissed Eric off. Did I already mention that? On, on yeah, Eric? you didn't want to get into it. Yeah, and but... I'm not going to. <laughs> yeah, because it was based on speculation, and it's not fair. To even so they it saw it essentially as kind of like a get, getting back at them as well, kind of like what you yeah. saw. Okay. Yeah, that's all. Okay. And like you said, you know, it's a tough game, man, not for a bunch of pussies. So, like, that's how we play. <laughs> I, I know that might sound whatever to some people. That's just how it was. That's where you the know? big boys play. Exactly. Look at the adjective. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, anyways. Anything else you want to add about this? Sean? I don't know. Could you guys, anything else you guys want to know? Because, like, I mean, like a million things. Then but ask, we, have, but we have a guest coming on and it can wait. Okay. Hey, Sean All wants right. to talk. All right. Go ahead. Uh, if you have any last questions about this, please. Bill? I mean, I do have a million questions, but I don't have to. I don't have to ask them on the you on on the on the podcast. I, yeah, but the people want to hear. Are you happy that Eric <laughs> that Eric came out and spoke with it, like spoke about this? Because you know, you mean on this podcast that he spoke about it? Yeah, just in general on the podcast and that yeah, it's no, out fine. there in the open. Yeah, do yeah, because he- honestly, and that's just Eric. And I really, I don't think Eric's like. For most, I don't think he's bullshitting. Like, I don't think he's like out and out like lying about anything. It's just his perspective on on how things were more than anything like i just you know and and we had different vantage points do you think it'd be better with so many people that have so many different feuds and they're all mad about something in particular that if we had like everybody kind of just like spoke on what their side was so that the other person could be like oh i never saw it this way and now they're sort of because i mean i feel like you know, there's a big difference where you thought, like, in the past, in the past, this is a power play. And now you're able to come out here and say, you know what? I'm seeing what Eric Bischoff's point was. I'm seeing and I'm kind of agreeing, but also at the same time, we see things differently and we yeah. can understand that. Yeah, and also keep in mind that here's Eric Bischoff. And he, he's not a little guy by any means. And he's no pussy. He, like, you know, he grew up... Tough a fighter. dude in Detroit, yeah. legit black belt, yeah, all wrestled that. in oh, high school. Right. I read his yeah, book when he was yeah, on yeah. the show. <laughs> but, but all that being said, the people that he was surrounded with, the grown ass men, like, that's an understatement. The Mings, the Haku, all, and, right. you know, the different people. I shouldn't use Ming because, like, even though he's the, you know, a monster, he's just a sweetheart right. and easy to deal with. Right. I'm talking about the big personalities and the egos and the, and the intimidating people he had to deal with, right. you know, and, and all that. And just, so I, I get it, man. Like, looking and back, I understand why he had to put up this, right. this, you know. Especially because he was Eric Bischoff. He wasn't, he wasn't Bill Watts. He wasn't yeah. Fitzgerald, man. He was, he was a guy who it was in the rare position yeah. of, he's not a pro wrestler. He has to deal with all these pro wrestling personalities and prove that he's in charge. Yes, that's an impossible situation to be in, and, and it's 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 really tough. And and you know, like he has to depend on somebody like for like to to write slash book or whatever because that I mean, it wasn't his cup of tea. Whereas Vince can do that all himself. Right. 
you could say good or bad or whatever about, but he can do it. And and at the time that this is going down, the time that you were fired, who was who was the the head? But was that Sullivan at that point? I think Kevin was, yeah. Okay. Which you know he was great. Okay. I think I, you know, I think people realize, know that He's I'm genius. a genius. Yeah. Another past guest. Yes. Go and look it up. Yeah, so. Had you stayed in WCW and worked everything out with your contract, do you think it would have helped or it would have been good and it would have revamped the NWO or you may have, may have split off and did your own thing? I don't even and... want to think about it <laughs> because it, a lot of things wouldn't have ended up happening. Yeah. A lot of really, really cool stuff yeah. wouldn't have ended up happening. You wouldn't have gotten that picture of you and Lula at the 25th. That's right. And we wouldn't have been in a Jeep, a.k.a. a tank. (laughs) Can we talk about that? Well, real quick. Yeah. Was it a Jeep that then a prop guy made a missile-looking thing to attach to it? No, it was was a a, a Marine Corps Jeep Mm -hmm. that had a Hollister cannon on the back of it. That's, you know, it's just, it's not nearly as... as great as it sounds, trust me. <laughs> because, um, and so, yeah, it just sounds better when, when you, you say we're a tank. You know? Did you guys initially want a tank? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It just wasn't doable. So, well, uh, wasn't it doable? Was it too much come money? Come on, man. It too yeah, big? It's a tank. It's yeah. drive Were they the like, street. yeah, we need someone Running to drive this? You know what well, that does to the street? Yeah. <laughs> Didn't you have to clear it with the people to let them know you were driving an armored car around, right? No, it was just a Jeep. <laughs> but you didn't call the local authorities no. to be like, "Hey, don't don't freak out when we're driving down the road." In I don't this. think so. I don't know. I'm not sure. All I do know is like when we when we shot the the goddamn cannon, <laughs> and, and everyone was like, and all the crowd was waiting, and they're like, "We fired!" Hunter's like, "We fired the first shot in the war," and, blah, blah, blah. and then they pulled the trigger and it went poof. <laughs> And I was just like, what the... <laughs> It was so lame, man. It was so embarrassing. We just started laughing. Uh, oh, well, what a letdown. <laughs> my last question for you. The, the, the deal that you ended up getting from WWF yeah. to, to go over after you got fired, yes. was that a bigger deal than the raise you were asking for? Ooh. Mm, yes and no. Okay. It was... Okay, it was more than what I was getting paid. It was my downside ended up starting out when I went back to WWF at $300,000, uh, which is only $50,000 right. more. But that's the downside. Right. I made way more goddamn money than that. <laughs> right. I made I made over a million dollars. Wow. For more than what, you know, how did the how did the revenue work on the DX shirts at that point? Was it split, split five ways? Yeah, I think more than five, just because Sean was still getting the cut. Yeah. Uh, well, I've always wanted to <laughs> ask was still you, quite but a you guys chunk. sold a lot of yeah. shirts. Yeah, I've always wanted to ask you how that works because stories change, you know, factions change, people come in and out. Maybe a guy is with you just for yeah. the night. How does that work? Like, who are the official members that get merchandising money? I don't know, but I I damn but sure you know <laughs> I'm in on it. Yeah. That's awesome. Is that maybe yeah. something that's covered in contracts? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, like that you can I negotiate? So. Yeah. So, yeah, I made a lot of money. Are you required? It was way more money than I made <laughs> WCW. Are you required to wear the merch that you get money from? No. Like Rick Rude. No, but Rick Rude never we? wore a DX shirt, but I'm sure he got money from DX. Same with NWO. He wasn't in DX <laughs> long enough for there to be really a lot of shirts right. and stuff. And it wasn't really his deal. You How? know, he wore a, he wore a, he suit. a suit. How well Anyways. did your six-ball shirt sell? It's the, the high biggest selling shirt they had. 
Awesome. Uh, uh, without a doubt. And I did get a good little check for nice. that. That's awesome. Of WCW in general or just any At the time, when it was being wow. sold, it was the number one selling it shirt. It sold more than the plane. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. <laughs> do you keep all that stuff? Like, do you have one? At his mom's right, house with all the rest of his you can merch. You buy one on <laughs> so, Anyways, I guess, that, you know what? That's enough of all this yeah. stuff. I think we're going to take a break and we're going to come back with Glacier. Visit ProWrestlingTees.com slash Sean Waltman. That's the only place to grab shirts with the X-Pac 12360 logo, Wolfpack, or many other designs. If you pick up a shirt, make sure to tweet us using the hashtag X-Pac 12360. Thanks for supporting the show. Now let's get back to it. Welcome back to X-Pac 12360. Joining us now, after success as a competitive martial artist and college football star, he began training to wrestle in 1989 and made his NWA debut the same year. After working the Southern States for a while as both a singles and tag team competitor, he moved to Japan and joined the shoot-style promotion UWFI. He was reintroduced to TV audiences when his big-budget vignettes popped up on WCW in 1996 and eventually engaged in a very memorable feud with Perry Saturn. While his in-ring career continued, this superstar went on to co-found Turnbuckle Championship Wrestling with the American Dream Dusty Rhodes and is now honoring him with the American Dream Scholarship. You know him as Glacier. Please welcome to the show, Ray Lloyd. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Ray. Uh, thank you guys so much. No, man, thank you for coming on. And I was telling you right before we actually started rolling here that I've been I've been wanting to have you on for for quite a while now, and uh, and it's just that now is is a perfect time because of the American Dream Scholarship. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and uh, yeah, and thanks again for coming to uh, down to our facility here a little while back because uh, they're still talking about that weekend. Oh, right now, bet. especially <laughs> issues with our with your dog. Yeah, <laughs> we'll have to talk about that later. Oh yeah, wow. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, um, you know, just about a year ago, uh, uh, QT Marshall, uh, a fellow wrestler, of my a buddy, of mine, we opened up a wrestling school in Atlanta, which has been a dream come true for me because uh, the uh, we've now moved into a facility moved in in November of last year with um, uh, a guy who's been a mentor and, and probably the closest thing I have to a big brother on this planet, uh, a gentleman named Chip Smith. Uh, I met him when I was like 15 years old, yeah. and uh, he's just been the driving force in my life. And uh, we actually partnered with him and his world-class sports performance facility right there in Atlanta. And, uh, and yeah, and just you know, the fact that I've, uh, I was, you know, Dusty was my childhood idol, like so many. You know, growing up being a kid of the '70s, and uh, I never even felt I get to meet him, much less kind of become his right hand guy when he started his own wrestling company, which is Turnbuckle Championship Wrestling. And um, and yeah, and, and uh, Mike came to me, QT Marshall came to me with this idea about doing this American Dream Scholarship Weekend Super Camp, and I thought it was an amazing idea. Uh, what meant the most to me is when we presented it to to Cody and and Brandy, uh, uh, Cody Rhodes and his wife, and then. Uh, Teal, which is Cody's uh, sister, and uh, and then Michelle, which was uh, Dusty's wife, and now now his widow. Uh, they they all um, they all received it very well, and that just meant the world to me. So uh, I know that a lot of people go after them to try to use the legacy of Dusty to maybe promote whatever they have going on. And and you know, what they explained to us was we're we're the first people they've allowed to really uh, do something like this and really um, you know and honor him. Uh, because um, mainly just because of that relationship that Dusty and I had, and uh, you know that means everything to me that awesome. they would look at it that way. Awesome. And the thing is, is you're not using this to try to make money. You're using this to give a like to give somebody an opportunity for 
I mean, I, I don't like to use the word free, but like for no cost, <laughs> no money. I mean, because there's always, you know, I mean, I don't like, to, I just don't like to say because there's a there's so much value in this. You know? Well, yeah, I mean, when you've got I, a live event yeah. with Cody and Brandy Rhodes, I mean, I think people think that's cha-ching, but you got <laughs> whole other motives. Right, right. It really is. I mean, you know, a lot of people um, uh, know me from what I've done in wrestling, but uh, I was uh, I went to college, got both my, my, my undergraduate and graduate degrees in education, became a school teacher. I was a teacher for many years before I got my break in wrestling and then actually went back to teaching. I actually at the, the high school where Cody was still in high school you know, back when I was working with Dusty yeah. right after the WCW years. And, uh, um, and, you know, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to open a school is I really, I feel a moral obligation. I mean, Dusty was a mentor of mine and, and uh, along with some other legendary wrestlers like Luzez. And, and I just feel a, really a moral obligation to pass along to as many people as I can what I was so fortunate to learn. And, and, uh, and always, when I'm passionate along, I always tell them, listen, this, I didn't come up with this. I was just smart enough to listen to people a lot smarter than me. I'm just telling you what they taught me. But, uh, but we just, you know, it's just something that, uh, that it's, you know, of course, there's a cost involved to, to come to the camp, but that's really just to cover expenses. And uh, the awards and the, the uh, um, scholarship that we're giving out, uh, it, it includes so many things. And one of it is a monetary award. We're not even sure what that's going to be yet because depending on how many people we get in the camp and how much, you know, once we pay expenses, you know, we're, we're just giving this all back to the event. Right. You know, this is not about us making a lot of money for ourselves. It really isn't. And uh, that's not the reason we opened the wrestling school. You know, because it's just, uh, you know, to, to I always say to give people a, a really good, good, safe place to land when they want to come learn about this business. And, and so, you know, with everybody we have coming in, it's just it's it's going to be a jam up weekend. Sweet. And 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 you know, for for everyone out there listening, um, there your school, Ray, uh, the facility is as nice as in, it's nicer than any facility for a wrestling uh, school I've ever been in anywhere. Oh, bar, thank bar you, bro. Thank you. Yeah, yeah I'm it's, really um, impressed. Yeah, and 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 I'm, I'm you know that's that's one of the reasons I was so glad we were able to get you over there because um, you know I want to I want the whole world to know that what we have because. Uh, it, it is. We're so fortunate to, like I said, to be paired with with Chip Smith and yeah. you know, Chip's two sons and his son-in-law are his trainees. And, and Chip is, uh, for people that, that may or may not know who he is, I and mean, he's one of the top sports performance coaches in the world. He's trained over and put over 1,700 athletes just in the NFL alone and trained, you know, dozens and dozens of all pro players. I mean, you know, you can, if you, if you, if anyone's in Atlanta and they want to come take a tour of the facility, you know, you're always welcome, but you'll just see the walls of the place adorned with all these all-pro jerseys that of people who have trained there. And uh, it's 43,000 square feet, if that yeah. gives you an idea, if you can imagine how big that is. That's a lot, and, uh, that's and a lot of area. Inch of it is. So, yeah. I was going to say, that's a lot of area for a little dog to get lost in. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> trust me. And it all of a sudden seemed miles bigger during that moment. Oh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's uh, you know, like I said, Chip and I um, have always we've talked about this for a long time, and just being able to partner with him because it gives our trainees and, and the and the, um, the people who come in for our seminars a chance to to really to be a part of a of a, a first class facility where I, I wish every wrestling facility training facility could be like this, and maybe one day it will be. And and we're just you know I just want to put out there to the to the wrestling world and anyone who's chasing that dream of being a professional wrestler to say, here's a great place where you know we have everything that we can give you to be the best that you can be yeah. and come take advantage of it, uh, tell people about it and 
you know, just uh, just give us a, a chance to, to to show us what we can we can offer. And uh, and and with this uh, this coming up in, in in August, it's the weekend of August twenty fourth, twenty fifth, and twenty sixth. Uh, we're hoping that that'll be a good chance for us to show the the wrestling world, uh, fans and and uh, you know trainees and aspiring wrestlers, just what we have to offer to say, hey, you know, this is. Um, this is this is what you know. This is we hope where the wrestling world is going because yes. we want it. I'm you know I I got trained in a in a wrestling ring in a backyard. You know, right. <laughs> I don't really want people to have to go through that anymore. I want them to go to a facility where they can trust that you know that they're going to be in a good ring and have good equipment and and just good training, not just you know inside the ropes, but you know good physical training, good advice on you know nutrition and things like that. Uh, my business partner QT. His wife is a certified nutritionist, so we got just about every base covered you can imagine. <laughs> yeah, and, and here's the thing too, Ray. Uh, there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of really talented people out there in wrestling, and a lot of right. you know, and and a lot of them are probably pretty good at at teaching, but I, not all of them are 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 amazing human beings. <laughs> And I, if you're gonna get broken, like it's it's better to get broken by somebody that's gonna teach you the right way to be, just as a human being too, when you're when right. you're operating with Absolutely. within our industry. Because, man, I, I I was thinking about this a little bit ago as you were talking, uh, or before before we started uh, this. I'm 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 thinking, man, I want to ask Ray, like, did you ever feel like, you know, because you're such a good Dude, man, and you all, and you just are the type of guy that just seems like you always want to do the right thing. Man, it must have been pretty hard to be in wrestling sometimes, man. It's a pretty dirty place sometimes, right? Or it was. It is. It is. It is. It, and uh, and I tell you, I mean, I, just like so many other people, man, I've I've certainly had my my ups and downs in the wrestling business, but. Uh, but you know, I, I I don't know. There's a couple things that always uh, you know that, that that I've learned from people inside and outside the wrestling business, and you know, I always give uh, I always give Dallas a lot of credit. Dallas yes. Page, I mean, Dallas and I have become great friends. Uh, I, you know, Dallas was the one that saw something in me back when I was I moved to Atlanta in 1990. I got a teaching job up there, and it's like I tell anyone aspiring to be in this business, sometimes you got to go where the action is. That's right. You know, if it's not going happening where you are, and if this means enough too, then you got to go there. And that's, that's right. what I did. I left South Georgia the security of where South Georgia was, where I grew up. And I said, I'm going to Atlanta, which at that time, my goal was to get to WCW because that's what I grew up watching. And, yeah. um, and you know, and but I, I, I joined the gym that Lex and Sting owned. Uh, I got to know Paige. Um, and, you know, later on, what I found out was, yeah, displaying, you know, that, that certain work ethic, a good attitude, treating people right. Um, you know, when the time was right, you know, Dallas you know, was in a position to go to bat for me and, and uh, put a word in for me. And, and then it was up to me to, you know, to hopefully make it a good enough person with, with, with Eric Michelle to, to come on board. But, right. but yeah, you know, and, and um, one of the things Dallas taught me was, you know, and I still, I teach it to all of our trainees and anybody that will listen is, you know, life really is 90% of how you react to things. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and Dallas would always say, you can't control what happens to you, but you can always, always, always control how you react to it. Yeah. And Bill, that's going to sound pretty familiar to you because we take that thing for our rocks. I said exactly the same thing. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but, man, uh, but that, it's true. That know? and the attitude and, and maintaining a, a positive attitude, man. Like that, I mean, yeah. those are just huge. But, uh, yeah, it is. And, and, uh, and even like with the glacier thing, when, when that all happened, yeah. um, you know, it, it, I never expected my break to come like that. I tell people all the time, you know, I, I you think I, my, I envision my break coming in wrestling with me wearing a blue mask and wearing body armor. No, yeah. <laughs> hey, so but, Ray, but, uh, Ray, 
here's the thing, man. Yes, sir. I, I thought, and, and forgive me for this, uh, I wasn't familiar with, with Ray Lloyd, the professional wrestler, uh, before I knew who Glacier was. So I kind of had the impression for, for quite a while, up until not that long ago, uh, well, actually, I don't know how long ago, but um, that you kind of had just started along with Ernest. You know, and I was oh, thinking, yeah. <laughs> and I was thinking, man, this guy looks pretty polished for somebody that just started out in wrestling. You know, yeah, Dusty started thought the same thing when I got that, and I, I, I didn't know Dusty that well until I got the turnbuckle. I mean, even when he was in WCW, I was just intimidating because he was yeah. freaking Dusty, you know. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, Dusty said the same thing. I and mean, I told him, I was like, Dream, I was wrestling for like ten years before I signed. He was like, Wow, what? I never do that, you know. <laughs> and, and you know what's really cool, man? And I really and and I. I don't envy you. That uh, I don't like. I don't like to say I envy anybody. But man, um, I would have given my left nut to have been around Luthes like you were. <laughs> oh yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry about the language. As I get older, I mean, it was really cool back then. But as I get older, I realize how how truly special it was. I became, you know, uh, I, what I what I feel like was a good and trusted friend the last ten years of his life, and uh, he actually gave me probably one of my most treasured things in all 32 years of my business of being in the wrestling business he gave me an original manuscript of his uh, autobiography before it ever went to print wow. and uh, and i still have that and as a as a you know kind of a tribute to him i, I sit down every year and I, I read that over again cover to cover wow. just just to kind of remember who this guy was i mean he was a walking encyclopedia i mean for for those in the room there that may not know i mean this guy he when I met him, he was 76 years old. He still could wipe the floor with just about anybody. Sure. And um, he's one. I, th- I think he's the only guy to ever do this. But he wrestled his last match in 1990 with, with Masahiro Chono, which actually gave him the distinction of wrestling in seven different decades. That's right. I mean, if you can even imagine that. Yeah. And, uh, and, but he was, he was a truly humble, humble guy, as, as great as he was. And uh, I, I just, you know, it was just an amazing honor to, to um, you know, just to get any of his time when, when – uh, and, and and I always tell people too because with the glacier thing, like I said, there are people that loved it. There are people that absolutely hated it. And yeah. uh, and I was a, you know, I was an old school type wrestler. I never, like I said, I never thought that's how my break would come if I were lucky enough to get it. And uh, I remember I had several phone calls with him before I made my final decision, like was I going to do this or not? And and that final phone call to, to to was to Lou, and he said, you know, he basically I'm kind of paraphrasing, but he basically said. Um, Ray, the wrestling business is never going to go back to what it used to be in that sense. This is your opportunity. Go make your money. And that's all I ever needed to hear. I mean, if I had his approval, uh, I'd like to get everybody's, but, you know, we're never going to get that. But the thing is, always that's what drove me forward a lot of times when there was a criticism where people said this gimmick sucks or whatever, whatever it was. The grand poobah, so to speak, said it was okay. That's right. (laughs) So I drove forward. Yeah, man. Yeah. so, So, Ray, and and I'm fascinated by um, um, your your running uh, UWFI was were, were, was yeah. was Lou there? Is that where you and Lou uh, were first around each other? That was that was uh, actually the first time I ever met Lou was my uh, first trip to, to UWFI, UWFI, which I believe was I think it was '92 maybe, yes. and uh, I broke in, in in April of '86, so I had a little bit of the indie experience under my under my belt, and uh, um, and uh, we, we they took us to the to the dojo to the training center. We would get in about a week earlier yeah. uh, than the than the actual scheduled you know show. And uh, I remember walking into the dojo and 
yeah, here I am. You know, I still feel like I'm wet behind the ears, and I'm, I'm just, you know, American. I've never been to Japan. I'm walking around like a tourist, and I walk into the dojo, and standing there in the corner talking is is Lutez, <clears throat> Danny Hodge, and Billy Rock. Wow, man! The only one missing yeah, was Carl Gott. <laughs> oh, I, I always say this. I literally, I'm not lying when I say this. I remember saying to myself, I said a couple words I probably shouldn't repeat here, but I said, right. I remember saying, "Oh my God." This is going to hurt like hell, but I'm going to be able to tell this story for the rest of my life. That's it. <laughs> yeah. So, and it did hurt like hell. They stressed me from <laughs> one side up down the other, but uh, but I wouldn't have traded that for the world. But that was when we first met, and uh, and I just got to know him through that. He really he kind of, I don't know, he just took a liking to me, and, and he coached me a little bit. And uh, I had a decent show in my, my first uh, match over there. He immediately came back uh, from you know, he watched it, you know, live and came back and just, you know, just kind of gave me some pointers. And I don't know, we just developed, a, uh, you know, to me, it was more of a, you know, mentor student type relationship. Yes. And, uh, you know, and that's, and, and, and like I said, I was able to, to carry that for, for the last 10 years of his life. Wow. And, and for, for the people that are listening right now that are wondering what the hell UWFI is. Okay. UW, <laughs> okay. Originally it was UWF and that was in, in Japan. Uh, the the guys that wanted to do a uh, like real stronger style, like more legitimate, like you know stuff. Matter of fact, they just tried to say like you know that stuff's fake and this is the real stuff. And it was kind yeah. of the predecessor to the MMA, like the UFC and all that stuff. You know, like it was the yeah, realest. Really was. It was the realest thing you got until actually Pancrase and and you know and all that. And that's what I trained for. Early, you know, when I was first started training. Uh, but um, so the matches, there were no high spots and 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 things like that. No tackle, drop down, leapfrogs. It was all just you know submissions and kicks and suplexes. And um, and yeah. and who was your first match with? Um, God, what was? Uh, gosh, was it, it Japanese guy? I've been hitting the head a lot, Sean. So I got <laughs> to remember what his name was. Uh, um, no, yeah, they probably won't even but know I, what you're talking I can't about. Remember. It doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, but uh, I remember. I remember we uh, we called him. Um, uh, well, we, he's the one I think we called Slappy because he was really you know you couldn't hit with a closed fist, but you yes. could hit with with. A, and anybody can knows how to hit with an open hand knows how to do it. It's worse. It's just as bad as a fist. And uh, yes. yeah, and he uh, yeah, and he was and he and he didn't wear shin pads, kick pads like a lot of the guys because he really um, he was really strong in his wrestling, yeah. which uh, most of the Japanese were more strong in their martial arts and their kicking. And so, uh, but, uh, um, yeah, he was um, he was a tough one. He was, yeah. uh, he was, he was tough. So. Hey, were you over there with Vader? Uh, no, I actually was in, I think, right up before until Vader came in, I think, right after my last tour. Yeah. So I, I missed that. But I was there with Gary Albright and, yeah. uh, um, you know, and uh, a lot of the guys that were great amateur wrestlers that, the, that they the brought Kozlos, over, were you there? Um, the, Dan Sever and, you know, those guys. The Kozlowski brothers? Yeah, yeah. Um, and actually, Steve Day, who's one of my, one of my, still one of my best friends. Yeah. Uh, actually, Steve and I are going to do a charity golf event in Mississippi next week. And Steve, uh, it's funny, uh, he was just sent me his bio. And I had no idea. He had, I mean, he won like a bronze, a silver, and a gold medal yeah. in the World Games and all this stuff, and, you know, almost qualified for the Olympics in 1980 when they ended up boycotting, and he's a heavyweight, so he's a big guy, but he, uh, he he's, what he's become most known for is he was uh, Cody Rhodes' high school wrestling coach. Oh, wow. Okay, <laughs> All the yeah. other stuff means nothing right. now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but, yeah, but he was, uh, he was a great wrestler, and him and Kozlowski, uh, Dennis Kozlowski, yeah. tag team over there a couple times, and, man, I mean, just watching guys of that caliber 
just throw people around was just, I mean, you just realize that there's that level of world class that only a few people reach. Hey, were and, the Russians uh, there? and I definitely wasn't one of them. <laughs> hey, sorry. Sometimes I, I, I get so excited that I start talking before somebody, <laughs> before somebody's finished saying what they have to say. Hey, were the Russians there like Viktor Zangiev? Um, there was one, there was one Russian that competed, I think on the tour before I got there. So I never met any of them. Oh, they were incredible. I remember seeing pictures of, of the couple that were there. Uh, I believe it was him that was there before, right before I got there. Victor Sangiev and, and Salman Hashimikov were am- excellent, oh, yeah. excellent. But anyway, and, and they yeah. had, and they had, uh, they used Lou's old NWA world championship belt as their championship belt. That's right. Yeah. That's right. One. Yeah. And, yeah. They, and they allowed, uh, early on, they allowed people from other sports to come in. Like, uh, they allow pro boxers, sure. pro judo players. Uh, and, uh, I remember that was what, um, the, the young guy that I wrestled against, like, that's what put him on the pedestal was the, the tour before I came in, he actually was matched up against, uh, Matthew Saad Muhammad, who was, uh, at one point the world, um, uh, cruiserweight, uh, uh, boxing champion, which in yes. boxing cruiserweight is right under heavyweight. Yep. And, uh, he came in and, I be- and he beat him in like 42 seconds. So yeah. automatically this young kid who kind of no one knew about, it, he got catapulted, you know, everybody knew him and loved him because he beat this former world champion boxer. And then lo and behold, you know, here I come over and I got, you know, I got this, I got to land this guy. I got to wrestle. <laughs> yeah. And, and also, but, uh, hey, how about, do you know that the one about Takata and, and, and Trevor Burbick? Uh, I've heard. I've heard. The well. I wasn't there to witness it. Oh, he jumped over the ropes and ran back to. He got kicked in the legs a couple of times. He said, "F this." He jumped over the ropes and ran back to the dressing room and lost. Like count out. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. I've, uh, I've actually become good friends with uh, Riddick Bow. With him, was former oh, world heavyweight boxing champion. Yeah. And, uh, he lives down here in Florida. And I get try to get together to lunch with him and. He, he went over, you know, this was after his boxing career was over, and he did a little bit of that, and he told me the same thing. He said, man, he said, as soon as they kicked me in my legs, I was out of there. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he said, I was, none, none of that. But. Earlier you were speaking of Glacier, and, you know, Glacier was a really interesting character. When you came back to WCW, how did they pitch you the idea of Glacier, and were you familiar with Mortal Kombat at that point, and kind of like what were your thoughts on it? Uh, you know, good question. I, I was uh, what um, I, I wasn't really at that point. You know, I was in the video games when I was younger, but uh, but then not so much so when when Mortal Kombat stuff came out. But you know, for those that remember, I think it's funny how sometimes you know people's memory you know tends to forget. Sometimes uh, I, with people, I talk to people like I mean, in the mid '90s, the Mortal Kombat thing was huge. You know, the, the video games, and then the movie came out. I mean, it was a big, big you know, it's a big thing. It was a very popular thing, and. Um, and so when I when I ended up meeting with with Eric, uh, it was basically a dinner um, where he basically grilled me for a couple of hours up one side and down the other about my martial arts experience, my wrestling experience, blah blah blah. And then, and and, and uh, I I just thought I was meeting with him kind of like just to see if he liked what he saw and maybe one day he would find a spot for me. And in that meeting, he just said he kind of explained everything to me like what they were starting to try to put together and basically. You know what he conveyed to me was that Turner Broadcasting had an interest in the Mortal Kombat franchise, and of course later I learned they they were the ones that produced the Mortal Kombat TV show that was that ran for a while, yeah. and uh, they basically said we want to can we bring this concept into the wrestling ring, and so that had already the wheels had kind of been in motion. Eric was already looking apparently for at least one person to kind of get this thing going, and and then eventually it ended up being the four of us that would start it, but uh, but yeah it was. Um, 
but I just remember in the beginning, Eric saying that we want to present to the audiences like a video game come to life, but we want to use all heavyweight wrestlers, but we want heavyweights to move in a way that the heavyweights have never moved before. More yeah. like video game characters do things that more like cruiserweight wrestlers would do. And now that's pretty common, but in, in 96, not a lot of heavyweights were doing anything like that. So the thing that I always say about the whole, our whole run is whether people liked it or not, you know, we, we tried very, very hard. And I think we succeeded to a certain degree to really break new ground, especially for heavyweights, as far as what could be done in the ring, as far as certain moves and things like that. And, um, and, 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 and so, like I said, I look on, I watch, you know, watch, watch the product now. <laughs> you know, and they got Big Show doing these monster moves off the top row and stuff. But, uh, but you know, it was, uh, it was something where we felt like we broke, broke ground and kind of laid a, a path for, um, for people now that I see are doing things. And I hope, I hope that we were able to kind of just, you know, open, lay the groundwork for a path that a lot of wrestlers would eventually follow. Like when I watch you know, the, um, uh, L Ray network and they have, uh, the, uh, uh, Lucha underground, you know, I see a lot of those characters that remind me of, of kind of, you know, kind of what we were dealing with, you know, 20 years ago. And it's kind of evolved to that. So, so yeah, I mean, it's, um, uh, it's, it's, would, I always look back now and feel good about thinking like we kind of laid the path for some other people to come after us. Glacier would fit in perfect in Lucha underground. Oh yeah. Has anyone, yeah. has anyone from Lucha Underground ever? I got to put a call Chavo. Maybe he can be over there. <laughs> right. so, so, no one from Lucha Underground's ever reached out to you, Ray? Sir? No one from okay. Lucha Underground or El Ray has ever reached out to you about coming in? Uh, no. No, no, they haven't. <laughs> and, um, you know, uh, I, I was very fortunate with Ring of Honor. I did kind of a guest surprise appearance in their, uh, their you know, big uh, rumble mm-hmm. back in the fall, and I got a really good reception for that. So, who knows? <laughs> Do you own the rights to Glacier? Uh, you know what? I'm I'm in the process actually of locking all that down. So, uh, but uh, but yeah. So you know, I'm I'm hoping I can do that. So one day I maybe will own all the rights to it. So with all the money that they invested in your look and your entrance and your gear and this persona, why did they not make you an action figure? God knows because. <laughs> Because they were WCW. <laughs> That's exactly what you've said to me before. <laughs> That's exactly what Sean has said to me before. But, when I asked him why they never had but a people ask me stuff like that, I always say, is it any wonder they're not in business anymore? Mm. You know? <laughs> Have you uh, had any contact from Figures Toy Company? They make a lot of the independent guys and legends now. They could do wonders have, with you. Yeah. I haven't, and that's why I've uh, I've actually started the uh, the process of, of you know, working with a, a legal consultant here in Orlando to just see if the possibilities of you know because I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to you know jump into all that and then you know find out that you know I, I ticked <laughs> off the wrong people that you know whatever so Man. so yeah I'm just uh, so if you guys can uh, you know just kind of uh, be on hold for that I'll let you know what I can come up with because I, I, obviously awesome. I'd love to be able to do that I mean I. I Thank goodness I still look somewhat like I did, you know, when I was wrestling. I need to drop a few pounds, but you know, the outfit still fits. But <laughs> oh, that's so cool! Have, yeah. So, have you put it on lately? Oh yeah, Joey Janela. Oh yeah, bike. yeah. I do appearances and stuff, yeah. and I get in the ring here sometimes. You know, I'm trying to. I'm, I'm in the process of trying to drop about another twenty, so I can get back to looking as close to what I did when I was on TV. Hey man, hey Ray, I was on that one show. Yes, I was on that one show with you in in Georgia. Um, it was the second show when I was down there for that. What oh, was yeah. it? Georgia Premier Wrestling? Right, right. Is that what it was called? Yes, it was. What, what's that guy's name, the promoter? Uh, uh, Daryl. Daryl, yeah. Daryl's last name. I really, yeah. I really liked working there, Ray. That guy, they, they had a really good show, a great crowd, and uh, 
Yeah. And, and, and I really enjoyed my six man. Um, I don't know why I felt like I had to bring that up. Cause had, but, but that was where I saw it. That was where I saw it. I, I was watching it and I enjoyed watching it. So. But yeah, man, that was, I guess that's just because that was the last time I saw you put the, put the, uh, the glacier costume on. Yeah. Well, you said that was a yeah. six man. Yeah. Speaking of six mans, you were in King of Trios at Chikara. Twice, right? You were there yeah. with the Los Ice Creams, and then again with Al Snow and D'Lo Brown? <laughs> ice Train, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it was supposed yeah, we, to be we had, we, That was a great one. Actually, I just did a show for uh, King of Trials about a month ago up in, uh, in uh, northern PA somewhere. That's right. Um, which it was, I was in like a – it was they had their kind of version of the Royal Rumble type thing, and I was in that, which nice. was nice. A lot of fun. So do you enjoy going and doing those shows and seeing how much of an impact Glacier really had on fans? I, I do, and you know what? And it it, uh, it it is one of the nicest, most humbling things in the world when when someone comes up to me and tells me anything about that where I might have had some kind of little influence on them, uh, you know, for whatever reason. And because I always tell everybody, you know, that will listen is, you know, I, I was a wrestling fan first. I still am a wrestling fan. I love this business. I want it to be good. I want there to be all these places for these people that I call the dreamers, and I'm I'm a dreamer too, you know. So, yeah. but that the chasing this dream that. That a lot of people are telling, like, what in the hell are you thinking? That you you can't go do that. Well, yeah, you can, you know. And uh, right. and if if there's you know someone out there that if I inspired them just a little bit, there's something about my look or what I did in the ring that that says, hey, I want to go do something like that. Then then you know I, I'm I'm so glad that I get a chance to to meet any of those people because I used to be the young one, you know, trying to <laughs> talk to the veteran and and saying, hey, you inspired me to do this, and and uh, and that's. I can honestly tell you, I mean, and this is this is not just, you know, some nice fluffy statement. This is the guy's honest truth. I always say about the wrestling business that I've achieved a lot. And, and I've, you know, uh, I mean, Dusty helped me achieve, you know, one of my childhood dream was, because I have a twin brother, a lot of people don't know that. And uh, I could never get him to get into wrestling full time. <laughs> but uh, mm-hmm. but uh, our, our childhood dream was to be the NWA World Tag Team Champions like Jack and Jerry Briscoe. That's wow. who we grew up watching. And um and Dusty made that happen for me to where I could actually win the NWA World Tag Team titles. Had a very short run, but I didn't care. You know, I'm in the yeah. record books, and, I, and, I, and that was my childhood dream that got accomplished. And my childhood hero was the one that made it happen, which was even more amazing. But, you know, just the fact that I always say this, you know, the biggest achievement I have ever achieved in this business is being able to walk into a room of, of established wrestling veterans who I admire and look up to so much and be accepted among that group to have a seat at the table with those people is the greatest privilege and honor I could ever, ever imagine from this business from some, you know, a kid from South Georgia who never thought he'd be doing this, you know, <laughs> really, you know, to, to, to be able to, to do that is, you know, Larry Zabisco lives in my neighborhood here and, and, you know, and recently I ran into him into the subway sub shop and he comes up and forearms me from behind, you know, we're <laughs> talking in the subway shop and I'm just sitting there looking at him and, I, and Larry and I've been friends forever, but I'm just sitting there and I have one of these just childhood wrestling fan moments. And I go, I'm sitting here BSing with, with the living legend, Larry Zabisco. <laughs> it's just, yeah. I, you know, so that's what I hope that if I can be, give anything like that to anybody that, that in this wrestling business, that's, that's coming you know behind me, uh, then, you know, I'm, I'm just thrilled to death, and, and I really am, sincerely. I mean that from the heart. Well, Ray, to just bring it full circle then, uh, you've got the American Dream Scholarship coming up, and you're one yes. of the the few, if not the only person in the world to have been able to been coached and sit under the learning tree with both Luthez and the American Dream. Now you're running your own wrestling school. What's the one thing from both Luthez and the American Dream that you want to pass on to the next generation of pro wrestlers? 
Oh, wow. Um, you know, I think, uh, I don't know if I could say it's, it's a unilateral thing by both of them, but I can say, you know, one thing from each one of them is that, you know, from Lou, the, the thing that, that I almost got from Lou was that, you know, that to present yourself to the world, if you're going to be taken seriously, you got to present yourself as a professional, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you, know, you got to look the part and, and, you know, yeah. I forget who said it to me first, but I remember the, you know, if you, you got to dress for the job you want to get, that's you right. know, if you don't have it. And, and he was just really big on that. And, and, um, and, and that's one of the things I always, I really pitch a lot is you gotta, you know, you gotta look the part, you know? And, um, and for Dusty, I, I think the one thing that, that I really learned from Dusty is embrace what makes you unique instead of trying to, Put together a character that, that really may or may not be who you are. Embrace what makes you unique, and take that and find a way to turn the volume way up on that. And nice. and that's just you know because you know I mean <laughs> Dusty was a pretty unique guy you know <laughs> and and, mm-hmm. and and he just uh, you know that's one of the main things that I, that I saw him live you know and that he was very proud of was he was a very unique personality and that's what's going to make him memorable for generations to come is the fact that he was so memorable because of that and um and those are the two things that immediately popped in my head when when you when when you asked that i'm so grateful that i grew up on dusty roads in florida i mean just (laughs) i was showing i was showing a friend of mine that that only got to see the old wwf all-star wrestling that they used to, you know, play. It's on the WWE Network right now, actually nine ninety nine. But uh, <laughs> yeah. um, I, so I'm showing them. I'm like, that's what you guys got to watch. Now let me show you what I got to grow up with. And I just showed yeah. him Dusty and all these different angles he was in and the promos and you know, just all that really cool stuff. And he's like, just blown away by it. He's like, wow, you got yeah. you got this when you were growing up. Wow. Exactly. So yeah, yeah. man. And, Same here. And I and and, and so um speaking of the NWO six ball shirt, uh, when I was out hurt and, and and recovering from my neck surgery, every week somebody would like shout out to me and it would be Macho Man or this person or that person and and that, and one week, man, I'm watching and there's Dusty Rhodes with my T shirt on throwing to me and telling me uh. we miss you six pack <laughs> and blah blah blah. And it was just one of the greatest things ever. Ever. Isn't it though? I mean yes. things like that. It's just that, you know, we we you know, 'cause I, I know Sean, you and I, I mean, you know, we I, I just we we're kinda like, you know, these kindred spirits. We you know, we we, we got into the rest of the business for you know, basically the same kind of reasons that we just absolutely love this stuff, yeah. you know, and, uh, um, and I always say, you know, I never got into business to be rich or famous. I was certainly glad that I was able to, to have some of that, if you want to call it that, but, but, uh, that's not why I got into it. I got into wrestling because, because this is what absolutely makes me come alive. Yes, Being in a wrestling ring is the greatest feeling in the world. And I don't have to have anybody watching me. Yeah. I can just be standing in an empty room in a wrestling ring. And there's just something about it that I can't even describe. Yeah. And I, and I always say, I wish everybody could feel what that feels like, you know, because it's just an unbelievably great feeling. And, and, um, and that's the one thing like with Dusty, I mean, you know, Dusty, you know, I think Dusty willed himself to be a, a superstar. I mean, I was with him one time when this, this reporter asked if she was following me for a weekend. And she said, you know, like, well, you know, uh, Mr. Rose, what was it like going back to your hometown after you became famous? And he looked at her and he said, Darwin always thought I was famous. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he, just, he just had that. Yeah. So that's another belt that came off. You got to believe in yourself first Absolutely. before you believe in it. You, you yeah, know? man. Hey, Ray, when you were a kid, I, 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 just something you were saying a little bit ago made me think of this. You know, did you have people 
that were telling you, oh, you know, go, God, just do this. Dude. You're pissed. You're, you know, you're barking up the wrong tree. Yeah. You're never going to make it. Like, trying to, like, yeah. man, because I hear you now, and, and you know, you, I, all right, what I'm trying to say is I don't like dream killers, man. I don't like people that yeah. are always oh. trying to kill other people's dreams because Absolutely. for some reason or another, they didn't follow theirs, whether they were too scared or they just listened to the wrong advice. You know, so now right. like years later, they're doing the same thing, you know, and and, yeah. and I'm just yeah. like, we need to break that cycle of dream killers. Yeah, I, I've used the same phrase all the time, Sean, and, and, and I did. I had I had I was very fortunate to have some great mentors and coaches in my in my life ever since I was I was little. Uh, but when I got to college, one of my coaches, my college football coaches, who I really, really looked up to, I mean, really looked up to. Uh, about two years after I graduated, and I was already wrestling and out there. I was teaching school and wrestling on the weekends and taking any booking I could get. And I was loving life. And I came back for, for a football game. And, uh, and I ran into him you know, after the game in the locker room. And uh, just he was actually you know, um, on his way out. And I was coming in just to say hey to some of the other coaches. And, uh, and we stopped and we talked. And, and after a little bit of small talk, he asked me what I was doing. I told him I was still pursuing the wrestling dream. And, and um and he, uh, he just looked at me, and he just got this blank look on his face. And he just, he just said to me, he said, he said when are you going to you know, stop playing around with that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, man, I'm telling you, it just, it, it, man, my, my heart sunk down to the bottom of my feet. You know? And I was just like, this guy who I so looked up to and who I thought believed in me actually doesn't. Yeah. You know, or doesn't believe in my dream, you know, and, yeah. and I'll tell you what, I mean, I, I sulked for a little while and then I turned it around. So one of the things I always tell people to, you know, is if you want to see what I can do, then tell me what I can't do. Amen. You know? and, that, and that's just what drives me, you know, and, yeah. and from that point on, I just set, I set my sights and I said, you know, by God, you know, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make this, but now this, I'm going to do everything in my yeah. power to make it and yeah. we'll see where it, where it takes me, you know, and, and, and it's, and it's been a pretty darn good ride. <laughs> amen. Hey, if, amen. Believing in yourself and not doubting yourself, I, that's that's where it's at. Because, because man, no one else has to believe in you if you believe in yourself. You know, because when I was when I was starting, and, and from the time I was ten, and and Ray, I've I've talked about this a bunch. My very first live wrestling match was. Nature Boy Ric Flair versus Dusty Rhodes, the American Dream for the NWA World oh. Heavyweight title. That was my first live oh experience. And I knew what I was going to do. <laughs> yeah, I knew what I was going to do yeah. uh, right then and there. And no one else believed yeah. in me. Like, and, and anyone that said, and I put this in a tweet the other day, I'm like, um, I, I said, no, you did not think I could all, always think I could do it. <laughs> but I always did. But I always did. And that's all that I needed. Yeah. All I needed, man, and yeah. that's all that everyone out there needs. Like, it's great when you have other people believe in you, but just believe in yourself. Right. Yeah, it's got to it's got to start with got to start with you. And and I tell you what, I mean, I, I I I heard something the other day that has just really stuck with me, and and it comes it, it goes along with believing in yourself. And it, I heard someone say that you are the only person that you can guarantee will never leave you. That's right. And I thought. Man, that's powerful, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, but but if you believe in yourself first, then and then you then you surround yourself with a supportive environment of people who also believe in your dream. You know, like I, I've got a, a mentor of mine, and she always says, surround yourself with yes and people. And what she means by that is, find people when you tell them about your dream, they go, yes, I get it. And how about this? 
you know? Yeah. How about this? And, you know, and find those people. Because they're out there. you just got to look for them. And, and then the other ones, you know, not to say you got to cut them out of your life, but, you know, Kinda. I always say, tell them, you know, look, you know, <laughs> like in football, you know, you don't, you don't have to block for me, but don't tackle me either. Yeah, just, get you know, out of the way. <laughs> step yeah, inside, you know? just get out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just get out of the way. Let me let me fall on my face if I'm gonna fall, but that's okay. Yeah. You know, because I, I think most people can live you know, people, you know, sitting there and say, you know, everybody's afraid of failure, you know, and, and when people say, you know, that famous saying failure is not an option, well in that scenario of course it, it really wasn't, but failure is an option. Failure is mandatory. I mean you're gonna have to fail a lot to get be successful, whatever yeah. it's gonna be, whether it's wrestling or anything and and um and failure is a good thing. It's just an opportunity to figure out, okay, how do I adjust and then move forward again and Surround yourself with people that believe that same philosophy and, yeah, you know, whatever it is. And, and good things are bound to happen. Yeah. Oh, wow. This has been even more inspiring than I think we could have hoped. Uh, for everybody <laughs> out there who wants to attend the camp and are interested in hearing more about the scholarship, where can they do that at? Well, probably the easiest place to go is just to our, our Facebook page, which is just One Fall Power Factory. And uh, and, and we'll keep posting all the information on there. And, and yeah, and just to kind of let people know real quick, I mean, who we have coming in, we've got Dr. Tom Pritchard nice. coming in, uh, you know, who's, you know, a former WWE trainer, uh, Les Thatcher, who's a legendary wrestler. And if you've been in the business long enough to have a cup of coffee, you know who Les Thatcher is. And I've become great friends with him, and, and he's just an amazing coach and trainer. And then we have Kevin Kelly coming in, who's, you know, anyone that, that follows wrestling knows Kevin Kelly is, probably one of the uh, most well-known behind-the-scenes people in the wrestling business in the last 25 years as far as working for WWE, basically any of the major companies. And, uh, and these are the people who can give you that type of you know, advice on how to, how to navigate your career. And, and, and the thing that I want to make sure that everyone knows who's, who's listening and who's considering coming to the, the, the camp, these three coaches will be making the decisions on who wins the scholarships for our first male and female scholarship recipient. QT and I, who, who own the facility and, run, and are putting the camp on, we will have no say-so in that. This will be totally, totally up to them and, and who they feel like can do a great job in this camp. And they're going to be looking for not just who's the most talented, they're going to be looking for all the things, work ethic, attitude, coachability, professionalism, and as Dusty always says, you know, the X factor, you, you, that charisma that, that made him so famous. Yeah. So, you know, I was, cause I, I had someone say the other day, well, I, I couldn't have a chance at that scholarship. I'm not a good enough athlete. It's not just about that. It's about coming in and, and being a total package and, and they're going to determine who will be the one that they feel is most deserving and who can do the most with the scholarship. And, and, um, yeah, but all the information is going to be on our, it'll be on our Facebook page. It's a three day event that we can have August 24th and 25th. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it's open to, to anybody of any level. If you just, just started training or, or you're, a, you know, a veteran, uh, it's just, it's going to be, if nothing else, it's a great weekend and just come network with, with other people in the industry For sure. and, uh, and learn from some of the best coaches and most notable coaches in the industry as well. Yeah. Hey, Ray, thank you so much, man. Yes, sir. I'm really, really grateful that you uh, came on and spent some time with us today, man. Uh, Sean, man, you know, I love you, man. And I, I appreciate you having me on and, you know, I, I would be thrilled to come back on anytime you guys would ever have me. Uh, maybe when we get closer to the scholar, uh, time of, the, you know, April 24th time, we'll have you back on to, you know, remind everybody. Yeah. Oh, I, I, would, I would be thrilled to come back on. And thank you, man. I really appreciate yeah. everything. And any social media stuff you want to plug real quick? Uh, you know what? Uh, I, I'm out there on social media on Facebook, uh, but uh, it's just at Ray Lloyd, which is my, my personal page. Uh, I still have some room left to accept some friends, so if people <laughs> try to friend request me, I'll do my best to accept them. But uh, pretty much everything that I have now is going through the One Fall Power Factory website on, or on Facebook page. So, so that's not I, your... I post most of everything there too. So that's not your that's not your Twitter account that I'm uh, I'm following. <laughs> 
Oh no! Yeah, it is. The I am Glacier is under oh, my foot. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I was like, it got yeah. the blue so, check mark. No, that's it. It's definitely my, that's my, All right. that's me. So. <laughs> All right. Hey man, thank you so much again, man. I hope you have oh. an awesome day, uh, Ray, and I love you too, my friend. All right, Sean. Thank you, guys. Thanks, guys. Thank Thanks, Bye. Sweet. All right. Uh, thanks again to Glacier for coming on and telling us about the American Dream Scholarship, Jimbo. Where am I at this weekend? This weekend, you'll be in Pittsburgh, June 2nd at 1 o'clock for Blueprints for Recovery, Breaking the Cycle, Communities Against Addiction, 3600 Library Road, Castle, Shannon, Fire Department, tickets at eventbrite.com. Also, follow Sean on Twitter at TheRealXPOC, Instagram, XPOC12360, and buy the shirts at ProWrestlingTees.com slash Sean Waltman. Sweet. I think that's it, right? That is it. All right. Well, let's get out of here. And uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in this week. And uh, next week, we're going to have another great show. Not sure who our guest is, but hey, anyways, and my phone, I should have turned it off. Anyways, hey, we'll see you all here, right here next week. After Buzz TV, Westwood One, Jericho Network. Yay. From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, Sean Waltman, producers Mark B. Donica, Jimbo Frank, Christy Olson, and the entire Xbox 12360 staff, we would like to thank you for tuning in. Like us on Facebook, rate and comment on iTunes and YouTube. Follow Xbox on Twitter at TheRealXpoc and email us at xpoc12360show at gmail.com. The Westwood One Podcast Network.